Welcome to That Anthro Podcast, the podcast dedicated to anthropology. Together, each week, we will be learning from the experts and researchers that are researching our pasts and today's problems. My name is Gabriella Campbell, and I'll be interviewing a new guest each week to bring to you the latest and greatest in anthropology. Join me for weekly episodes, whether you're an anthropology buff or looking to learn something new. Welcome to That Anthro Podcast. All right, listeners, welcome back to That Anthro Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, a longtime follower and listener of the podcast, Lydia Tulinkova. So welcome. And could you tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so hi, everyone. My name is Lydia. Um, and uh, I actually, yeah, I know Gab- Gabriella from uh, Instagram, from our blog. Yeah. Uh, so that's probably uh, the first thing I want to say about myself. But uh, I am a graduate from the University of Toronto. Um, and I graduated uh, with a degree in, in sociocultural anthropology. So a very, very big fan of anthropology. Um, And uh, yeah, but just a little short line about myself. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. Well, I'm really glad that you're here today. And yeah, you're one of those people that um, we followed each other for a long time. And I was like, this is someone whose content I really enjoy. I really want to invite her on the podcast because I have kind of gotten to the point where I'm like, why are there all these people that I follow and enjoy their content and like haven't reached out to make a connection with? Like, (laughs) I don't know, sometimes you just go get so used to seeing someone's stuff on your feed that it's like, you feel like you know them. And I was like, no, this is someone that I really want to like chat with. So I'm glad we were able to make this work. We're both extremely busy. And so we finally today were able to sit down and make it happen. Um, But so is life. I'm honestly always happy when people understand like needing to make adjustments because we're all busy and so yeah just like how things go no Um, especially yeah yeah especially with my transition out of university and everything so yeah uh, yeah it is difficult (laughs) yeah I'm looking forward to talking about that because I don't know a lot about what you're doing for your nine to five job right now I know it's Mm -hmm. a bit different um than than what you kind of studied but I do think that that's always fun to talk about because um you know, experience is experience and we can get training in anthropology from like the most unexpected places. So I'm excited to talk about that. Um, But I think we should kind of just start off with where you're from originally, because I know that you did not grow up in Canada, but that's where you went to university. So I'd kind of just like to talk about that transition. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, that that is correct. I didn't grow up in Canada. I grew up in Russia. Uh, I my my hometown, my home city is uh, Saint Petersburg. So it's essentially like a cultural capital of Russia. So my whole childhood, I spent little like in museums. Uh, my mom just uh, made an effort, and uh, uh, every single week I would go to a museum, the uh, the Hermitage Museum, right? This kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. So I moved to Canada when I was uh, eighteen uh, for u- university, um, and uh, that was a big change. That was a definitely big change uh and uh, lots of time uh you know when I was feeling kind of lost and then trying to figure out trying to figure out what to what to study but actually as for um and anthropology 
I knew exactly that I wanted to study anthropology and I went uh, for it and uh, I applied for uh, the program in anthro and honestly, the best choice, the best choice. I really, really love that. Yeah. Yeah. So many people that I interview were museum children. Like, really? Museums have funneled the generation of anthropologists like that, that now exists. And I love it because we all kind of have this common denominator uh, in our very different childhoods of just like loving history and just wanting to know more. I feel like all of us were just like asking questions of like, why this? Why was that? So that's really cool to hear. And actually, um, St. Petersburg is somewhere in Russia that I really want to visit. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's it's a beautiful city. Lots of museums. So just tons of museums. And even talking about the uh the Hermitage, right? It's not just paintings or some sta- statues or something like that. It's lots of artifacts. Uh, their mummies. There's like everything, right? So I feel like anthropology is also a little bit about about everything, and that's exactly how museum kids they become anthropologists, I feel yes. like. So yeah, I just I do see see the connection. Yeah. Um, so in your transition from Russia to Canada, you told me that you'd only learned English a year and a half before going to university in Canada, which is crazy to me because university is challenging enough when you're a native speaker. Um, so what were some of the ways or things that helped you transition or just kind of generally, if you could talk about like that experience? Yeah, honestly, um, that was a very interesting and very challenging experience. I, it's actually, it's really funny at the beginning. Uh, it's very interesting how I decided to move to Canada mm-hmm. and uh, there's a whole story behind it. And it's very short because I remember it was February, 2018, I believe. And I, uh, uh, I was sitting in my dad's office uh, and I remember my, my, my mom was chatting with my brother and uh, uh, they were talking about universities and my brother is seven years older than me. Um, and uh, we're talking about, uh, they were talking about universities. I was playing some, I don't know, games on my phone or something like that. And then um, I remember that their Zoom or like Skype at that time uh, meeting um it, it was done and then uh, uh, it ended and my mom slowly just turns around and just asks me a question. Hey, Lydia, um, do you want to move to Canada and study at, at university there? And I said, sure, <laughs> that's it. That's wow. it. Literally, that's it. And that's how it all started. And uh, I honestly, I feel like to me, if I was very like, uh, I was a very quiet kid. But also, I feel like deep, deep inside, I was like very adventurous. But absolutely, I could not even imagine what was waiting for me in the future. Because now, uh, literally the second day uh, after that, the next day after that, I realized that, okay, wait a second. Everything is in English there. I need to learn English. Yeah. And uh, I, that's a whole story about this whole like immigration processes and the uh, um English and the exams because uh, so that was February 2018 and in order to apply you need to apply one uh one year before your first mm-hmm. lecture right if you get if you get in February 2018 is the time when I realized that I'm, I'm moving to Canada and then I cal- calculate all this month and when I should be done with my English exam and it's 
August 2018. So I literally have like what six seven months yeah. to learn the language and it's it's not about that I didn't know English at all right so I studied I studied a little bit at school and uh, um, but I think that the most basic thing um, I know you know I was not a very good English speaker I would say and it's similar to how I feel like in Canada how some uh, uh, students they learn French in high school so it's like you can say like a couple of words and maybe like a sentence or something, but it's you cannot study on this language and you cannot yeah. like have a full decent conversation. So I knew that I was screwed, <laughs> but I still went for it. I went for it and I studied English like crazy for seven months and especially uh, from June to uh, August. And uh, I remember sometime in the middle of August, I took my um, exam. And essentially, I the the exam is called IELTS, and uh, I th- there is like a scale, right? Um, mm. So I feel like it's scale from like two or one to uh, nine, and nine is essentially like a um, I would say someone who is a native who is a, whose job is a, a professor, so they're very much they know English, right? They know academic level, like they, they 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 can speak really well. And uh, the very first time I took just like a practice test, I was at like three point five maybe, and I was like, okay, okay, so I have what three months now to uh, boost to. I think it was a. Uh, I think it was 6.5 or 7. It's the minimum that you need to have. Uh, so you need to get 7. And you know what? I did. That wow. was just, I did. I got the minimum and I applied and I got in and everything is okay. But that's just like crazy, crazy journey how I learn English and yeah. not speaking of, you know, how this whole transition uh, into a new country with a new language because there is just so much. It's not only about ac- academics. Because I remember I was uh, sitting at my first lecture. And then, yes, I did get, you know, 6.5 or 7 on my IELTS, IELTS test and all that. But now it's actually like real life. And I'm sitting there. It's my first class. It's a convocation hall, which is huge space. It's massive space for like, 3,000 students. Oh my goodness. Yes, it's a very, very, very massive space. And there was one professor with a microphone, so it's like on the stage. And it's my first anthropology lecture, uh, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. And I am realizing that I understand like 60% of what they're saying. Like literally 60%. So it was still a journey of how I was catching up. And uh, you know how you're taking notes on your uh, in your no- notebook. At that time, I was not using laptop; I was writing everything. And uh, my strategy was to write every single word that I don't I don't, I don't understand from what mm. professor is saying from textbooks on the margins. And sometimes uh, the content of the actual lecture would take like three pages, and then the margins they go for like <laughs> six or seven. So. <laughs> That was a big, a big change. And, uh, but also talking about social life, right? Yeah. I learned academic English. I didn't learn. Oh, yeah. Learn culture, right? I didn't (laughs) learn all this, like, this kind of like, uh, I don't know, like generational knowledge, this kind of knowledge when you 
live in the country when you grew up here right mm-hmm. all the references to cartoons to like mm-hmm. events yeah. i'm like okay sounds good i do not know what you just said <laughs> but let's just go go with that and yeah. uh yeah so it's been four years since i moved moved to canada and uh, i feel like it clicked only in my third year when i when i when i joined uh joined a friend group so i i uh, in you know covid interrupted my studies too so it was also hard and all that stuff so i actually had a chance to really form a friend group only in my third year and it was awesome group they really helped me so much they were just so patient with me just like making those slow jokes that actually not funny because they're so slow so and that was wonderful time yeah that yeah the group didn't last like too long but it's still I just recall all the members and especially relating to like related to English and stuff with so much love that is, I think, really important. Like I have some international friends and really just having the patience to, and kindness, like not just like general patience, but patience with kindness to be there and to say like, oh, I'm happy to correct you in like a kind yeah. way, in a way that helps you like learn rather than being like laughing. Oh, you pronounced that wrong. You know, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Being like lovingly, like explaining like, oh, you know, actually it might be better if you say like this word. And like I was saying, my roommate is Hungarian. And so even she'll be writing an essay. And and, like last night she was finishing up her conclusion Mm -hmm. and she was like, what's the like adjective for lifestyle? And my roommate, other roommate and I was like, "Hmm?" and we're like, read us the sentence. And then we're like, no, I think lifestyle is fine. She goes, fine if you it sounds weird to me but you're the native speaker so all right yeah exactly that's what I feel yeah Yeah. and all my friends in that group they were all Canadians they were all Canadians but you know what one interesting thing that I uh learned is that I don't know what it is but I feel like Canadians just so hesitant to correct you so you mentioned uh correcting there were so many people who were just going with like the conversation and then maybe a year later I'm realizing that the way how I pronounce some word is completely wrong and oh and actually that situation happened to me and I was I was I think it was a uh the word report right Uh, I was saying report for like a year or two and it was only my professor who corrected me in one-on-one conversation so embarrassing but it's still still something to remember. Yeah, definitely. Back to your studies and university. You mentioned that when you applied, you knew you wanted to do anthropology. So Mm -hmm. how did you even learn what anthropology was and become interested? Was it purely the museums or were there other influences? No, it actually, it was not museums at all. Okay. It, It became museums for a little bit later, uh, maybe in my second or third third year, but uh, before that, it actually uh, goes back to what I studied in high school because the way how it works uh, in my high school, it was uh, so we had only eleven grades, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, from grade eight to grade nine, you um, you had to choose your essential like field I would say mm. or some, some some something you want to specialize in and uh, then you, you choose it again uh, before grade 10 and then you, you can continue in the previous field or you can switch and 
essentially the funniest thing i studied law and economics mm. in grade eight and nine my friends who know me uh you know from undergrad uh they always very surprised <laughs> because i have no relation to law or or economics right now but i studied law and economics and um honestly um that's actually interesting i i won one of the national academic Com- com- competitions uh, in oh, wow. law in the country and then yeah. after I won I switched the discipline <laughs> and I switched to languages culture and literature and uh, I actually won an, an, another national research competition uh, in literature and then I moved to Canada um, and uh, I just think that this interesting combination of law economics and then literature and then you know uh all this like culture and and languages i feel like that's what anthropology that's that's what anthropology was was about um for me at the very beginning of course the definition of it and just understanding of it changed a lot uh in my undergrad but i feel like like law right is a very um i would say to me it's a understanding of this robust like policies mechanisms right it's also like very much um imaginary concept right talking about this like social constructions and stuff you know uh but then uh, on the other hand literature it's about you know it's about um morals it's about the way it's about culture it's about essentially even like the soul of the person who is writing the book or uh, who the author is talk- is talking about. And I feel like this combination of just like structure, policy, society, mechanisms, plus morality, understanding of the world, perceptions, emotions, this just all came together mm-hmm. and formed this. I-, I could not really name that I wanted to study anthropology. I was talking about it uh, with my brother, actually. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I like this side of things. And then, but also I really love, you know, this idea how people perceive the world and that it's so different. And he's like, sounds like anthropology. <laughs> and I was like, what, what, what is anthropology? And then I knew that I would apply to uh, U of T and then I Googled, okay, bachelors in uh, anthropology. And then there were different sections like, uh, evolutionary, you know, uh, linguistics, and then I found sociocultural anthropology, and I read the description, and it's all about, you know, cultural codes, understanding of society, but also economics, also law, and also how it all co- coexists together, and yeah. how to make sense of it, mm-hmm. and I read it, I closed my laptop, and I was like, you know what, yes, I'm doing it, I'm doing exactly anthropology, and uh, I never regretted my choice, because I feel like it's such a good foundation for any kind of career that I might possibly imagine for for myself. So this is just perfect, I feel like. Yeah, I feel that way too, because especially now that I'm like, I guess six, seven months out from going on the job market, Mm -hmm. you know, I have my days where I, I doubt, you know, will I be able to get a job? And then I remember that I'm like, even if right off the bat, I don't get a job in exactly what I want. Like people want to hire social science students, especially mm-hmm. anthropologists, because we have such a, like a malleable toolkit. Like we can adapt our knowledge to different situations. Yeah. 
And I think that you hit the nail on the head with that of just like how it's setting you up so well for different things. Um, and that's really interesting how it was like reading the description because I remember that too. I remember my mom watched the show Bones and she was like, I found your job. She was like, I found your job. No, seriously. She's like, I found your job. You need to watch this show. And I was like, whoa. And so I like looked up like, what is anthropology? What is archaeology? You know, what is like forensic anthropology? And I was just reading all of them. And I was like, this is so cool. And I always love to hear other people's experiences of like how they came to learn what anthropology is, because it's not something that's like super talked about. Like, yeah, which is so strange, to be honest. It is. But like, for example, like when my, when my car broke down and I was, I had to Uber everywhere for like two weeks, (laughs) lots of times the Uber drivers would be like, oh, you know, what are you studying in school? And I'd say anthropology and, and then they'd be like, what's that? You know, Yeah, I feel that. And it was like back to back with my Uber drivers. And I finally like, (laughs) and one actually I, so I was also working at a museum. Sadly, I'm, I'm no longer, but it's because it was a contract position. Um, Mm -hmm. I was giving tours. And then now that it's winter, they're no longer doing because they're outdoor tours. Anyway, I just want to like preface for the listeners to say like, no, I didn't get fired. It was, it was a contract <laughs> position. So I fulfilled the contract. Anyway, um, I always would tell them, yeah, I'm an anthropology student at George Mason. And then one of them thought that meant arch- architecture. And oh, they were like, oh, so you like talk about like buildings and like planning and stuff. And I was like, oh, no, no. Anthropology is the study of humans. And they were like, oh, I thought you meant architecture. Like, oh my god yeah so many people don't know what it is and it's fine I never get mad it's more just like sad that I have to explain it because it's such a important field it is such an important field and I feel like you know what people know uh when I try to explain what anthropology is because your uber situation is exactly what I experienced too and I feel like lots of people who study and anthropology they also have to explain what anthropology is which is also kind of embarrassing because you know you 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 you're studying something that people don't even understand like the name of it and uh, you know it's just kind of like awkward but Mm -hmm. then you know the power of it right and uh, I feel like I always try to just give some sort of like associations and I'm like "Mm, well it's a little bit of like you know psychology and mm-hmm. then culture, and then humans. If if you if you just like mash it all t- all together, mm-hmm. that that's what kind of anthropology is. Yeah, you should definitely read some like intro anthro book yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I have that experience a lot. And then the other one that I get like constantly is, oh, so you study dinosaurs? <gasps> yes. All oh my god, all the time, all the time. <sighs> especially my little cousin who loves dinosaurs I told him like oh you know I study human bones and he's like that's not as cool as dinosaur bones and I was so humbled by my five-year-old cousin I was like oh I'm (laughs) I was like I'm gonna cry I was like I'm so sorry I'm not as cool as as you'd hope that I would be but I was like one day one day he's gonna grow up and he's gonna realize I'm cool He's going to realize that that you're cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I also worked in a in a, in a museum uh, when I was in my undergrad. And uh, the dinosaur section is always way more popular uh, <laughs> than, you know, some mommy's exhibition or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah I feel like it, it is what, what, what it is for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. I actually didn't know that you worked in a museum. Um, mm. What were you like a tour guide or a docent or just kind of like 
behind the scenes in curation? Yeah, it's actually, I, I was initially thinking about building entire career in the museum industry. And uh, I studied, um, well, I started um, in the museum industry in my second year. And uh, I worked uh, at the Royal Ontario Museum as gallery oh. assistant. So it was more through, um, it was more about uh, education and programming. Mm -hmm. So um, I was uh, speaking of bones, right? I was uh, responsible for, um, I guess, handling bones and presenting it to the public or some minerals, basically talking about it. And it was kind of cool. It was really, really great. And uh, I'm actually um, doing this, this part-time, like, this job again as a part-time during holidays. So oh, I'm nice. coming back uh, to the Royal Ontario Museum. So I'm very excited about that. But it's honestly just I'm in a different industry now. But now museums, it's like something that is always close to my heart especially because I even uh I was so eager to break into the industry and you can't even imagine how many limitations are out there in Canada for international students who want to um break into the museum industry mm -hmm. uh, it's just it's a whole thing and I couldn't really find any internship opportunities or any like anything substantial um and uh, just because uh, everyone who wants to have an internship here has to be a Canadian. And, uh, hello, I'm not Canadian. Yeah. And <laughs> not going to become in the next, like, what, three years now? But at that time, like, seven years. So I even founded my own museum club at U of T. And uh, now it has, like, I think more than 200 general members. So that's oh, pretty cool. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and I was doing this whole, like, I was, we did, in two years, we did two exhibitions and uh, I created this whole structure of, you know, curators and then media team and the finance team, basically, essentially like a museum at U of T operated by, by students. Um, but that was entirely, entirely volunteer position for sure. Um, but as for paid, um, I mean, I think it's just, it gives me just so much joy when uh, there are, kids who are coming up to my station and uh, they're just so fascinated by the bones whatever bones they these are it doesn't matter it's just the bones and that we also have uh, specimens that you can touch mm -hmm. and uh, lots of people think that but they are fake because oh. they can touch it yeah. but actually not um okay. so that's also interesting but the yeah, museum atmosphere there's something something special about it but uh, yeah, I think that. But at some point, I did, I did uh, change, change my mind, and now I'm in different industry and going to uh, grow in the in the different industry. But I feel like you, you know, anthropology, museums, this curatorial work that I did, or like programming, education, talking about you know knowledge, talking about just uh, uh, I guess culture and yeah. artifacts. It's something really beautiful about it. There is, yeah. And that's like, I feel like a good transition into the other kind of creative projects that you've been a part of. So um, you're, you're not going to like this. I can already tell you, you're not going to want the, the compliments, but you've created a really great platform on Instagram, um, which is at lady anthropologist. And oh, you. <laughs> you, you know, you create great content that's not even just specifically related to anthropology. Mm -hmm. And I, I like that it's applicable to a lot of people in a lot of different um, phases of life and a lot of different 
careers and industries. So kind of what was the inspiration behind that and how has it maybe changed over time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, this idea of like creating a blog and sharing something, uh, it was here, I guess, all the time, right? Uh, I was like that teenager who wants to post something on social media. But then uh, I, (laughs) yeah, right? And here we are. (laughs) Yeah, so it's actually getting serious. Yeah. Yeah, but honestly, um, I the way the whole thing how it started, it started in uh, I think February. Well, before that, it started way in like my first post was in December 2020, but then uh, I um, was not really posting and I was super scared of posting something, especially in, in English. So I actually first uh posted something in Russian and uh, um, I think it was a sent. It was like a random picture uh, in a library, and then uh, a caption was something like, "We will see how it goes." So yes, and it, it, just- that was because I went all the way back to look. <laughs> exactly, and it, yeah, here, here we are again. We're doing a podcast now out of this thing, but then uh, um, I named uh, the account Lead Anthropologist, and then. There was there's so many ideas what to talk about and at the very beginning it was not about anthropology specifically I was thinking about doing the, some historical sites in Toronto because I was also exploring the city and I think I, I I did make a couple of posts like that I don't think they're still there I think I I archived them or something and uh, but then it totally switched to a study account but the way how it started actually. Gabriella, you inspired me to really? start this account because it was Anthropology Day in February 2021, I believe. Okay. And I that was the first day that I, I, I that was the first time I wanted to celebrate Anthropology Day because I studied anthropology and I was like, okay, let's join a cool community of anthropologists. Yeah. And then I saw some advertisement about some live podcast or something like that oh. and it was you it was adam gamwell and yeah. it was matt arts i believe mm-hmm. and it was just three of you i think the, 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 there was probably some some someone else uh who was talking about anthropology and he was yeah. talking you all were talking about your podcasts uh, and just the way how you share knowledge. And I remember I was sitting in my room, in the exact room that I'm sitting right now, and I was just looking at all of you, and I was just so in shock how I found my people. I feel like, oh and, my goodness, yeah, and that people who actually they they study anthropology. They are serious about, you know, education, their subject, but they also translate their knowledge into something that is more engaging than a res- like a huge, massive research paper, right? And I was just watching that podcast, and I remember I instantly followed you, I instantly yeah. followed Adam, and I was like, okay, we we gotta get get started on this one, and th- that's yeah. just how it it started. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy because so in preparation for this, I kind of like scrolled back through our conversation on Instagram, like our DMs on Instagram, because I was like, oh, I want to see like when we started following each other, and yeah, mm-hmm. I saw that like the first time you messaged me was on that day, but really? I didn't, but I didn't realize that that was like how you, like I didn't realize you found me through that. 
And yeah. so that's, that's really cool and, and interesting to know. And I remember that day so well because I was so nervous because I hadn't met any of them before and they'd invited me in because I was like, I'd had the podcast for about like nine months by that point. So I was still like very new to the field. And I was just like in my room, in my college apartment, like <laughs> these like people that already had, you know, their degrees. I was only in my, at that time in 2021, in my second year, mm-hmm. third year. I think I you were, you were, I think you were definitely older than me. I was, uh, it was, I was in my, I was in my second year. Okay, so then I must have been in my third year, because yeah, I, yeah. Um, I'm like the pandemic happened, and I look back and I'm like, I don't know what what was going on during that. Exactly, yeah. But I was so nervous that I sweat, like I sweat through my shirt. Like when I came out of that, I literally had like sweat stains on my shirt, and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how nervous I was. So that's really cool that you were inspired by that because for me too, it was, it was good to be, to see that other people were doing this because I have always throughout this entire experience of creating content had imposter syndrome, crippling imposter syndrome. And I think a lot of that is because, and I, and I think the listeners know this, but if they don't, I have done everything for this podcast by myself, everything. Like, which is crazy literally it's a lot of work everything has it is a solo prod project and with podcasts there isn't a ton of viewer engagement like you can see your numbers and sometimes like I get really lovely dms and that's always like great but aside from that it's not like with a tv show or like I don't know, some other type of media where you're like getting like feedback from the listeners. And so I've always just been like in this phase of, do people even enjoy this? Like, is this good, you know? And so that's really, I'm really glad that like, we've kind of gone on this journey together of at the same time of like posting things that we think are important, but it's hard. Like, I don't know if you feel that way, but it's hard to know if like other people agree that it's important. Like the, the listeners and the followers, I'm like, do they like it? Like, are they, is this good, you know? Yeah, exactly. Honestly, that was something that I was struggling with, especially at the very beginning, for sure. And, uh, um, but coming back a little bit to uh, that uh, anthropology day in uh, 2021, it's honestly, it was such a good thing that there was a diverse range of people in terms of where they are mm-hmm. in their path, right? So there was people with already established d- degrees, right? And then you were still a college student. And I think that that what was a very attractive because to the to the discipline, right? Because I realized that, there are people sitting in one room here in one Zoom call and uh, they understand each other. They talk with each other on about their passion and they're passionate about anthropology equally. No matter, you know, if you have PhD or if you are finishing your uh, bachelor's degree, that something was just so, so powerful. But also coming back to uh, um, imposter syndrome and uh, then our blogs, um definitely imposter syndrome is a thing when you you know you make some content you post it out there 
And then the only thing that can tell you what is happening in terms of how people react is the numbers, right? The statistics, the numbers. So this very much dry information. So you do not see people's emotions. You do not see, you know, what they're talking about, if they're talking about it at all, right? You don't have this feedback and DMs, they do help a lot. I know Mm -hmm. when there's... um, there was some, some people were messaging me, uh, you know, throughout uh, my time with my blog. And uh, every single time I receive a message is just huge boost of motivation and love and just like, oh, okay, okay, good. I'm on the right track. Yes. Fine, sure. Okay. So it's just like breathing out essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I feel that so much. And that's why I always like in my episodes, I'll always tell people, I'm like, please reach out to me. I'd love to like hear you, especially when like international listeners reach out. That's always so special too, because I'm like someone from Iran Mm -hmm. on my podcast and is messaging me you know like to me that's so special because I don't know if it's getting promoted in other countries like Mm -hmm. you know my base following is American because Mm -hmm. I'm American you know and and while I want it to reach other audiences it's like I don't know if it is and so when I get those like international people reaching out that to me is always the most special and actually I for my thesis podcast have been looking at my statistics because I want, because I don't know if I want to talk about this right now. Yeah, I'll talk about it because I can always cut it out because I at least want to talk about it with you and I can always cut it out yeah, if I decide sure, sure. I don't want the listeners to hear it. But I've, I want to, when I put this out, have a, have a mission statement that goes with it because I know that there will be some people that are like, this is her thesis, you know? And yeah. so, and that's just how it is. And I've come to terms with that, but I also want to have like, not a defense, but like a preemptive statement of like why I think that this is an important medium to do the thesis through. Exactly. So one of the ways I've been kind of like, quote unquote, justifying that is I've been looking at my breakdown of my listeners and I have listeners from almost every country around the world and all 50 states. Wow. And because of the way it breaks down, like for example, if I click on Russia, yeah. It'll show me, it won't show me how many people from Russia, but it'll show me what percent from different cities in Russia. Mm-hmm. So I know there are multiple people within Russia that are listening. And so wow, when I saw that's so cool. Yeah, when I saw that, I was really excited. And I was like, no, this is why it's important, is because it's reaching such a broader audience than a traditional thesis medium is gonna exactly. Reach. And so I don't even know why I got on that topic, but that's been really cool for me to like to look specifically into those statistics a lot more detailed than I have in the past um and that's not my Instagram that's like my actual platform that I produce the podcast from so that's been really cool to see and very just like comforting and yeah motivating yeah 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 no absolutely and uh uh, you got on on this on this topic because I was talking about the dry information and oh yes statistics versus like actual like human experiences right and because we study humans we study emotions as well with all this uh, you know historical events for example or or, you know understanding of cultures uh it it is hard to see just a number right but uh it's actually really interesting because uh uh like as for my page i remember that uh 
I studied I, I started as as a study account but again as I said as, as you said at the very beginning it was it's not only about like specifically anthropology what's interesting is that I was trying to post something um, on uh, biases or pronouns or othering right this like different concepts that I learned from an anthropology and what I realized that I don't actually get that much engagement when I just post about, oh, let's learn about some concept, right, from anthropology. No, it literally has to be, at least in like in my understanding of it or in my experience, it literally has to be some sort of like, there should be a hook. It should be entertaining. It should be engaging. Mm -hmm. And only after that, the people will be open to learning that is that is that is something that I realized and uh, the post about you know pronouns like oh pronouns exist and uh, you can't not have pronouns you know there's a video of some guy on uh, TikTok or something like that and uh, he was just uh, you know talking about some random things about like how he's a guy and that's why he doesn't have pronouns or something so I don't know like yeah. this 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 kind of stuff and I think there was one uh, one of other um, tiktokers who was kind of like explaining why it's really weird to say that right so yeah. and uh, the stuff like that and he was I remember that tiktoker who was explaining uh, why it was weird to say that he made a song out of it right mm. So again, entertainment, again, some sort of in, in yeah. engagement. And, um, but again, coming back to statistics and imposter syndrome and all that, uh, the highlight so far of the vlog was probably when uh, my page took off, when I started posting about my experience doing ethnographic research. So it was not about... Um, you know, oh, let's learn learn about the concept, right? It was yeah. about, okay, that's the background of what anthropologists do. That's like the the back scene, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the, the behind the scene. And uh, I was posting a lot about the process and uh, that was my very first uh, publication as well. Uh, and it was all on uh, gender diversity in gyms. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's also very interesting how it all started uh, with my anxiety, actually, in when I was uh, trying to work out in uh, uh, gyms. And uh, uh, I, real- I realized it's like it's a very interesting discussion about just uh, the gazes there or kind of like the dynamics. I was like, oh, yeah. OK, maybe that's an interesting space to talk about. And after I started posting about ethnographic research and just the, the process and om- I almost made it like a show like a little show and that's when the page took off and I was even I I remember I was walking on just the street for groceries or something and someone recognized me someone was like oh you let anthropologist and I'm like what is happening I don't have okay. like even like a thousand uh, fo- yeah. followers yet right but yeah. the impact the, the 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 messaging is just so important and now we're actually friends with this with this person because oh, oh my great. gosh I have to follow you this is, yeah. this is this is crazy, and uh, but yeah that was honestly, blogging and anthropology I feel like it has so much power in it, um, just because 
as an anthropologist, you understand people and you understand how they perceive information and how to deliver this information in a very interesting, engaging, uh, attention-drawing way. So you can also deliver important messaging, right? Yeah. Important messaging that and 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 that anthropology conveys that that we study in anthropology, right? Yeah. It is super crucial to understand about okay, there are different perceptions in the world of the same culture or the same habit, or you know there are there are so many alternatives, right? There is nothing that is right or wrong right or maybe there is for some for some people but that's how we should look at it and all these different lenses yeah. right and uh, i feel like it i i really want even more anthropologists to start their blogs because it just has so much power and we can always get so creative about it so creative yes. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think some of the listeners have kind of been like, why isn't Gabby posting more? And it's like, it's grad school. Yeah. I, to be honest, I was warned in the most respectful way by some grad students when I was still an undergrad, like, I don't know if you should try to do the podcast during grad school. And I was like, no, I can do it. Oh my God. Something, <laughs> something is here. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. It has been a challenge. So I'm looking forward once I'm graduated to really like reinvest in creating content and creating mm -hmm. things that reach a broader audience like we we're talking about. Um, and something you said that you want to comment on is like that you see a lot of archaeology, bioarchaeology people, but you don't see a lot of sociocultural anthropologists on those type of platforms. Yeah, yeah, actually. Um, but also um, kind of uh, uh, commenting on what you just said about uh, balancing school and content creation. It is hard. It is hard, especially when your content is not like daily vlogs, I guess. Yeah. So because like, I don't know, I was, that was interesting. My account started as a study thing. So essentially I was posting a lot about, okay, that's on my to-do list. And uh, at the same time, I was tying it back to anthropology and kind of like behind the scenes, but still that's the way how I survived through doing school and also doing content kind of like yeah. combining the two together kind of mm -hmm. um and yeah essentially it was like the brand like, okay I'm anthropology student 
and uh, obviously since i graduated the brand is shaping and changing now yeah. which uh, i've been all, also trying to to um figure out and uh, it is hard it is hard definitely to combine the two so it's just also also because we want to have a good quality content right it's not just something to post out there and yeah. that's it so I feel like you are doing a fantastic job with grad school and also doing your whole project like within anthropology but also tying this media and podcasting to it yeah. you are like the example of uh, this you know struggle to make these two things work together but also actually doing it which I absolutely admire oh thank you well yeah I I think and that's a good time to say like I I have wanted to post more about my struggles with it like struggling with the balance but then because I I appreciate people that post the reality you know Mm -hmm. I I like people that that like they call it like de-influencing, you know, where influencers post like behind the scenes. I really like that. I think that's a really great new trend on social media to help um, kind of deconstruct this pedestal that we've placed influencers on. So I've typed out posts before where I'm like, here's what's like really going on. Here's why I'm not posting. Here's like why I've been like struggling to create content. And then I delete it and I've never actually posted one. Because I also feel like there's so much in this world going on. And, you know, this is like pre like current political situations just in general, more just like mental health and like COVID and everything. And I was like, I don't want to like post this and be like, woe is me. Oh, like feel bad for me. Because even though that's not my intention with posting, I get that like feeling of, oh, I don't want people to think I'm complaining because like I am lucky that I have this platform and that I am in grad school. And like, for example, like I got funding for grad school. I mean, not a lot, but I did get some funding. So even though I have a like a side job, like I don't have to, I don't have to work 25 hours a week to be able to like make rent. And so I have not posted things that I've wanted to post because of public perception. And I think in this last like six months, I've been really, 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 really trying to work on not caring about public perception. Mm -hmm. I don't know if not caring isn't the word, not letting public perception affect me because I do care to a certain degree because I want to present myself in a certain way. But like, I hope after grad school to kind of reflect on certain things and become more open with the followers because I think like even like you'll post like like I saw you posted something today like mm-hmm. oh I had like a skin flare up and I didn't want to post for two weeks but like I'm back now and I got a lot done like in that time and it's like little things like that that remind our followers that we're human and that even though yeah we're doing really cool things and we're engaging like with media and anthropology like we're not perfect we have struggles like and I and and so I think that's really important and like you talking about that is like inspiring me to like to do more because yeah I'm proud of the content I've put out but it's not what I it's not like to me I know I can do more I know I can do better I know I can do more diverse content and so I'm looking forward to being done with grad school and really being able to like fully re-engage in in that because i believe in it but I haven't had time (laughs) yeah no absolutely honestly I I feel like it's such a perfect time to talk about it I have two points um about what you just said first of all this idea of uh 
you know, being done with grad school or just school and then investing in content. That's exactly what I'm experiencing right now Mm -hmm. because I graduated in June, 2023, right? And you can't even imagine this just switch that happens just in inside my brain and uh, there's so much more mental space for creation and yes. content exactly you just like you just, <laughs> you're like gesturing right now a lot right because it's all about mental space and kind of this constant galloping with school but also keeping in the back of your head that's like okay back in your mind you have to also do some content and creation. You're thinking about your pod- podcasting. I'm thinking about visuals and some sort of messaging, right? And there's just like so much. It's just constant anxiety about it. But also you want to, you enjoy it. You also want to do yeah. it, right? So um, when I graduated, um, there was definitely a transition for me uh, for, you know, a couple of months for sure after gra- graduation. But now I'm working nine to five and I have just... I just actually very recently, I started feeling just so much more freedom, I would say. This like, not even that, okay, uh, well, now I have to work nine to five. So this entire day is kind of like all about my job, Mm -hmm. right? But it's actually all about mental space and uh, this ability and this energy that you have that you're ready to dedicate to something else that's kind of like a very strict line you know line between okay that's my job now it's done Mm -hmm. and now I can do creation I can plan I can think about what kind of themes I can talk about what kind of concepts um, discussions and all that and I feel like right now it's going to be like lead anthropologist 2.0 essentially because so cool. I have just so so many ideas and I feel like you also have this experience and I'm really looking forward to being done with, with the grad school just because of this mental capacity right yes I think like in the process of because like currently it's we're ta- talking at the end of November I'm still in the proposal phase of my thesis um and I've really struggled with it because in my head, I know what I want it to be, but with everything else going on, I was mentioning to you, I had like serious car problems. My car literally broke down while I was driving to work and was not able to be fixed. (laughs) So I literally within the span of a day went from having a car to having no car and like completely having no car, like not, not a like, Oh, I need to get money to like fix this it was like the in the words of the mechanic complete transmission failure anyway (laughs) yeah and then like my dog has been in and out of the vet she's okay it's just like a couple little things um and it's like little things like that that take away that creative energy that almost are like a sponge that take up the energy away from actually writing down the details of like what I want my thesis Mm -hmm. podcast to be and so I'm really looking forward to next semester not having classes because I have so much creative energy but it's constantly being repressed and stifled because I have so many other things that are more important and it's so sad like I wish that my creative tasks were the most important but like this year and last year they have not been and that's okay because I've gotten through all the challenges that I've had like I'm really thankful I've been able to, you know, work through everything that that's gone on. Like I said, like my dog's health is better. I have a new car. Like I've 
been able to make money in my side jobs. Cause I'm sure as you know, like money is a constant thing in grad school, like yeah, and, and paying your own expenses and like money is a constant stressor. So I'm really looking forward to having that space to be creative because I think, I think next semester is really, cause I don't have any classes next semester, mm-hmm. just thesis um, and work. And I think that that it's going to be a transformative time. And the plans that I have for my thesis project are really, really exciting. And as nervous as I am to put it out in the world, because I am really nervous, I do think that it is going to be very important, honestly, in like the course of bioarchaeology, I'm just going to say it. I do think it's going to open some people's eyes to some things, not like everyone, but like some people that aren't sure like why we're doing bioarchaeology. Like I'm hoping that it's really going to, remind people like why the field is like more widely important yeah exactly and I feel like you being vulnerable right now right is actually so great because you 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 exactly you were talking about this idea how um you know your followers talking and messaging and saying why you're not posting that much, right? I feel like I also had a couple of messages like that because uh, I don't know, we're kind of like syn- synchronizing this, but yeah. I also had a very interesting year. And uh, I actually, it was uh, probably uh, my page took off, I remember. And then in February, 2022, I just essentially, I was gone. I was gone for a year and uh, I was popping in and out here and there trying to really come back and really like launch something again, relaunch, but it was never really happening. And uh, at some point I just like decided to step back and then I fully relaunched the page only in July, 2023. So like a year, a little bit later. And I feel like this anxiety of, relaunching something that is already established is so so massive because um I actually started it and uh, I don't know what I was thinking about what courage I had but I started it with a, a message a very vulnerable one just uh, not like over explaining what happened I was not talking about it but I was talking about like that I was away and I was talking just about my emotions that I have right now, not yeah. like uncovering, you know, my life and all that, because, you know, it's kind of weird. And also I don't want to be talking about it, yeah. but, you know, and there were like, um, you know, some, some personal private things like, you know, my family involved, for example, and all that stuff. Right. So something that probably I don't want, I do not want to share with, with, the, with, with the world, but, I was still vulnerable and it was so, so scary to be because exactly what you said, you don't want to be complaining because even posting, even having Wi-Fi and uh, having time to create is a privilege for sure. And uh, now I'm spending my time to kind of like, you know, um, to be vulnerable on one hand, Yes, there is so much anxiety about how people are going to perceive you, right? On the other hand, actually, and that's why I said that you being vulnerable is so cool right now, is because I feel like through that, I was able to develop 
such good connection with my followers yeah. and uh, really just incredible trust I would say because now they know that no matter if I you know disappear for two weeks right I'm gonna come back yeah. right unless I do I do some sort of messaging like okay that's the final day when yeah. I'm lead anthropologist it's actually gonna still be going and be happening right yeah. but I am a human and uh, I I don't have a car yet, but I do have some other issues, right? Yeah. yeah. And honestly, I feel like that's something what uh, um, really special also about being an anthropologist blogger, because you're also talking about, you know, humans and human yeah. lives and trying to, you know, make it all feasible and real for other people, right? So why don't you try to make yourself real and understandable? Yep. But it's so scary. Mm -hmm. I think I did, I did like a whole story series um, that I called like, I'm back, really coming back, something like, like, uh, like that. And then honestly, I got so many messages after that series, because I was just purely talking about transformations in my heart, my brain, just my perception of the world, right? Yeah. And that's exactly perception. That's exactly what I, what I talk yeah. about in my blog as, as well. And I received so much more support. Mm -hmm. And from there, I actually was able to uh, bounce it off with like more ideas how I can talk about social cultural anthropology, but also tie it back to my exploration of life. And that's actually what I changed my my bio to uh, life discovery, right? Yeah, I saw that. Exactly. And uh, um, one of my followers commented um, something like, on, I, I don't remember what the post was uh, about. I think it was uh, um, talking about just transformations in life or something. And uh, I remember he, he said, uh wow such a beautiful phrase life is a never-ending autoethnography wow and i loved it yeah because that's, I, like that I feel like yeah because i feel like that's exactly what i want my blog to be and uh, again it's not about you know talking about this dry information you know of different concepts but it's yeah. about discovering life and discovering kind of like tools that anthropology has to understand people better but also understand yourself better and kind of like going through that process of life and really just like uh, processing different life concepts as well at the same time as you're growing and uh, just developing your blog too for sure yeah I love how we just got on like the most like like detour but like in the best way like I I, I think that conversations like this are so important and I'm glad that's like a big reason that I wanted to have you on is because I feel like I was like we can talk about a lot of things that are very similar and for me like podcasting is about creating community and yeah. so I'm glad that we were able to talk about like how how we want to create community and and how we are creating community because I think that's what it's about um especially like long-term impacts of like posting on social media, like what message are we like putting out there? I think is super important. Um, so that all being said, I do want to highlight some of the work that you've done in anthropology um, that hasn't, you know, you've talked a bit about on Lady Anthropologist. So for example, 
Um, I know that um, in 2022, you worked on a documentary project that was regarding patriarchy and men's mental health. So could you talk a bit about that filming process? And then I believe you released it this year. Yes, yes. It's about to be released maybe like in a couple of days from now, actually. Okay, wow. Yeah. Um, so maybe by the time this is out, it'll be out and I can like put the link in the description. Yeah, hopefully, yes. Uh, I am launching Lead Anthropologist YouTube page. Uh, <gasps> yes. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be like your band number one. <laughs> I love YouTube videos. Like, oh my God. I love YouTube. And uh, you know what? What I... Uh, learned uh, from about about Instagram and also about myself uh, and a little bit just a note before I come back to the documentary that um, I realized that throughout the time when I was uh, just you know trying to develop and understand what my blog is about uh, I realized that Instagram is a really great platform but at least to me in my experience it's a platform where you can it's sort of like a a tool to navigate it's like a, a mm. navigational point because mm. uh the content that uh people create and especially with the introduction of reels on instagram the market changed completely oh yeah like, when <laughs> we started in like exactly when 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 we started in 2020 or 2021 it was a instagram was a completely yeah. different environment yes absolutely different environment and uh, that was very interesting to take a break for a year from instagram mm. and then come back and was like whoa whoa what is happening <laughs> with all these algorithms and yeah. honestly algorithms been been there like always but now it's all this like reels and attention spans and now all these things and uh, it did change my work in my blog actually and it did change my perception of how I enjoy creating content yeah. because when I try to post some reel or some video you can spend like hours trying to outline that content and then uh, edit the video or real or for example create a post and really interesting like um, you know post series or something but people will scroll it so fast because it's all in a one it's all in, in in on one page right so mm -hmm. the person is not just looking at you they're looking at millions of other people yeah. and your content is being scrolled like in three in three seconds unless it's like you have a very good hook and then uh you get the attention that uh you would want to get mm -hmm. but then i feel like it was it's been so depressing to me and not because, for example, you know, some videos, they go viral, some videos, they do not. But it's just, I feel so much anxiety about it and just like a little pressure. Yeah. So that's also why I decided to launch YouTube. And uh, honestly, at this point, be kind of like old fashioned a little bit. Yeah. Because, because it's a uh, people click on your video, knowing that it's like it's 10 minutes, and then they purposely click on it knowing that they will they yes they can scroll through the different parts but they also dedicate anyways they dedicate their time to mm -hmm. watch your 10 minute video yes that's something that is it feels different it does yeah. feel different does. yeah yeah so coming back to the docu docu documentary and that whole process um it's actually um it was a part of my task for one of the fellowship programs that I did um and uh, uh I just was challenged to write uh, a 
at publication and then uh, similar to you actually I was like yeah I will and also I will film a documentary about it <laughs> so and uh, uh, the way how it started it actually all grew from my previous research project that was on um, gender diversity and it was uh, about uh, gender gyms uh, that's that's what the name is, uh, and I think it's pu published actually some somewhere on the on the internet. But I was exploring this idea of uh, perception of gender and uh, different concepts related to that uh, in different environments. And then the focus on that paper was essentially about explaining why women do not feel comfortable in gyms, right, mm -hmm. uh, versus you know men um, as. Uh, you know, the perception is that they do, right? Oh. Or at least like most of them, which is actually kind of wrong. And mm. uh, that's also a very interesting story about that. And then uh, what about non-binary people? So that's yeah. a whole thing there. But then for the documentary, I decided to flip the coin. And then I decided to start not with women, but with men. So it's kind of like, a, I don't know, so I guess I'm very interested in gender. And uh, I was like, okay, what is what are what are these the what are the stereotypes I can debunk about men? And uh, I started uh, just talking with my friends or with acquaintances or just with random people. And mental health was emerging as a big theme. And uh, I was like, okay, let's do that. And then eventually it was the production of this documentary. And again, I call it documentary, but to be honest, I feel like it's a very multimedia project because I do have uh, some visuals for that. And then I record audio and because uh, it's almost like a podcast a podcast because I didn't want to have uh, you know the face of the person because the the um, the interview is obviously anonymous right so and then I have speaker there in that video uh, with with the footage with with the face it's a mental health uh, uh, speaker a pretty famous one and uh, um, the production the whole time it, it took me maybe like a year or something a year and a half to produce everything and but it was such a creative process, but it was also very hard because now you have to combine, you know, research and uh, doing proper researching and at the same time kind of understanding, okay, so this is research, this is paper, but now how do we, how do we make this words, this text alive? right how we can just bring it to life and obviously to me and that's also why i'm starting youtube it's visual yeah. i really love visual in addition to the to the audio also because i feel like it's 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 really i don't know i feel like you are do doing that fantastic job uh attracting so many people through just audio right i i feel like i cannot do that i feel like my thing is a video so and that's why I was like okay let's do a documentary and it took a long time and uh, I had to film and refilm lots of scenes um, and really think about how I can illustrate my research but I feel like that's also what digital anthropology is about too yeah. uh, trans translation of knowledge translation of research and visualizing it making more illustrations to it and making more engaging and also popularizing anthropology at the same time, right? Yeah. 
That's awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to that coming out and definitely will promote it to the listeners. And now you're making me think, because I've been thinking this forever about starting a vlog channel. Mm. So I don't know, maybe guys, your eyes peeled. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it could be cool next semester to document the process of creating my thesis podcast. Absolutely. You have to. Okay. You, you absolutely have to, because you know what? I had such a crazy journey um, learning English, right? Yeah. And I actually documented it, but mm-hmm. I, at that time, was com- it was a completely different field. And I, uh, I mean, social media, and I was documenting it in stories. And it was like mm. completely different blog or something. It does not exist anymore, but it gets, it got so much traction, just so, so much. Yeah. I feel like you absolutely have to do that because people are very interested in the result of course and kind of like the final product and the final message that you want to deliver but also how you did that right and again being vulnerable all the struggles and uh, building trust with the audience and then at the very end present the result right yeah no I think that's a good idea so I guess we're both launching YouTube channels yeah (laughs) I guess that's the result of this is over Uh, well, you know, I, I love YouTube. Like it's really interesting because engagement on YouTube has definitely gone down, but it's interesting because my love for YouTube has never changed. I love, like, I truly love vlogs specifically rather than like a more structured, like formal video, because I love just like being in people's like lives and like just seeing like the little things, you know, like one of my favorite like vloggers does like a vlog miss and I just love seeing them like getting ready for Christmas and like buying their Christmas decorations like putting up their Christmas tree like it just makes me happy to get like a little glimpse into it's like a reality tv show but that's not yeah. like messed with by evil producers that like yeah. make it no longer reality <laughs> exactly yeah and it's yeah. about a sense of community I would say for right sure. it's yeah. definitely about a sense of community just uh, relationships to people and uh, yeah all that for sure I love I love YouTube and uh, I think I think um, I do see that uh, the engagement there kind of like dies down just a little bit I feel like it's going to be running for a long time I'm actually very curious where the energy of like attention is being channeled to is it TikTok is it Instagram I feel like it's a very like short term content because that's also kind of like keeps people addicted right Mm -hmm. so instead of like watching like spending your time on one video you can watch a hundred in the same time right so that's interesting I do feel like that's worse for us overall though like for me at least it's very like I'm addicted to TikTok. Like I can say mm-hmm. that I, I'm good That's about. I don't have it. <laughs> yeah, I'm good about monitoring it. Like I don't go crazy, but it is. I think like, and that's not to say like I do think people short form content is good. Like I don't want to diminish the value of those creations because mm-hmm. they're yes. not the ones like controlling the algorithm. But I think just like overall, the way you can like so easily scroll to like the next video is like a problem because. You know, like way back when, in the original Instagram days. Way back when we were young and we had yeah, no reels. Oh yeah, wait. Okay, people. My first Instagram name was gymnast underscore one five one five. Just, just. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, mine was like Dally House. 
<laughs> I don't know why it was house and then the short name of Lydia is Lida. Oh, so okay. I switched I switched the, the last two letters, D-A and then L-I, and then put house, and that was boom, production. Yeah. Like the things we came up with. But um, like you only had your following feed. Like the For You page was always there. Yes. But it, it wasn't an attraction the way the For You page is now exactly so that's changed like you used to really choose what you were looking at and now it's more like whatever comes across your feed based on the algorithm exactly yeah and I feel like now people don't spend lots of time on the actual feed they 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 just go to explore Mm -hmm. and that's just this boost of dopamine just hitting you constantly right For sure. Yeah, it did. It did change, and that's why that's why the market changed. The way how we draw attention changed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a struggle for people who don't do, you know, more kind of like broader audience kind of con- content, right? So now we're talking about an anthropology, right? People will people like unless they're very interested in the know the word anthropology they would not be necessarily googling it right or yeah. um, searching for it on instagram but now it's actually why i feel like it's so great to have creatives like us in the anthropology field because we can be those hooks those yeah. translators right so that's interesting that's interesting and i'm curious how your blog and podcast is going to be developing and maybe youtube page now yeah. uh because yeah. i feel like i don't know it's just it just it just uh always something about uh also new algorithms to be honest and new kind of like context that we now yeah. have to deal with but i feel like i choose uh, uh again as you mentioned i love short-term content that's mm-hmm. it's honestly i i admire people who can do that uh who can produce lots of short-term content yeah. I feel like it's just so hard for me and I would rather yeah. work on a longer project yeah and somehow just like advertise it then with a short-term for content sure. yeah that's really interesting um and I'm glad we got to talk about that um I also don't want this to go too long yeah. on, the, on the note of talking about short form content <laughs> yeah, absolutely um, yeah even though I you and I you and I will continue to talk um but <laughs> for, for this for the podcast um I want to talk about your transition into work a- after postgrad uh mm-hmm. well in postgrad because I don't really know what you're doing um and I want to hear a bit about it and kind of like how you hope to grow in that field because I know you said you are really interested in the field that you're in and want mm-hmm. to to grow in it. Yeah, absolutely. So I work in design thinking. I I my my position is a research lead and program coordinator and I work in a small consulting firm essentially that specializes in design thinking. And to be honest, it actually it is kind of related to anthropology because my job is to uh, lead, teach, and uh, coach 30 researchers. And they're all from uh, PhD. They're doing the grad school right now. Some of them, a couple of maybe doing uh, undergrad. So we hire them to execute a research project. And essentially a research project is, uh, uh, well, 
people who don't know what design design thinking is uh thinking about it as ux essentially but in, in a more like okay let's talk about experiences and emotions kind of Mm. way okay so my job is to interview people and uh, well now I'm in a position of like uh, the person who operates now this massive team right and we have nine client groups Mm -hmm. and uh, so those 30 people that are working for me they have like their internal groups that is attached to um, each individual client and um they're all essentially qualitative researchers. Mm. Um, and then I teach design thinking. And then based on my teachings, they execute a, a project. What kind of project? Um, it's more about, I would say, um, how would I, again, translate my knowledge to a more like, human language so yeah. every single person can understand it. It's essentially about getting into the field as anthropologists, analyzing it and interviewing people and understanding their experiences and emotions with a service or with a particular program or some sort of like a product. Uh, But right now we're working on uh, in more the services rather than products um, market and field. Um, So um, really understanding what kind of experiences they, uh, the people, who interact with our client services have, right? So, and that's actually so cool because uh, I within that team, I also have five, um, uh, quant- five quant people who are doing uh, quantitative research and mm. uh, they are also doing, but they're more focused on the statistics, the numbers uh, based on service that we're, we're doing. Uh, but design thinking is in the interviews. And that reminds me so much of the ethnographic projects that I was doing in my undergrad, how I was interviewing people, the, the documentary, right? I, again, I interviewed people for that project as well. And uh, the best thing, and it's honestly, it's, 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 it's coming uh, right now. We just finished, we are finishing our data collection process. So it's, uh, um, I think on the weekend that I received like 260 emails. Oh. Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of people, right? Yeah. Because uh, we, we interview, I think it's 210 people. Mm. So those 30 folks that are working for me, they're interviewing 210 people. And then wow. we have to decode all the information and all that but then the best part comes in when we have to we we use a software and we have to code human emotions and experiences and essentially we um it's in it's in the software we read the transcript from uh, the interview and then we label what kind of emotion the person is experiencing. And it's actually like tags, like, okay, this person is sad related to oh. this experiences, experience based on this context, based on this mentioning and all that stuff. So, and then we bring it all together. And it's, I think it's going to be sometime in February when we start our data analysis process. And that's where we generate insights out of the information that we uh, receive. So essentially, it is pure ethnographic research, to be honest. And uh, that's exciting. I'm just so happy. That's that's my first job. And uh, I, I, I was lucky. I was very lucky 
to get a senior leadership position uh, right after un un undergrad. And uh, it's a lot of work. I do develop yeah. my pro project management skills for sure. Uh, but also it is related to intro and uh, I don't know, it just brings me so much joy. Yeah, that's really cool to hear to hear more about that because I've seen you posting a little bit and I've, I wanted to like get the full story and really hear like more in depth about it. And that's really awesome. I'm excited for you. And yeah, anytime I hear about people getting good employment post-grad, it makes me so happy <laughs> for them. Yeah. But it also gives me hope because I am so stressed about getting a job. So stressed. Like you will be fine. You will be fine. You already built you you you've been building your podcasting skills. So you have media now. And also you've been building bunch bunch of skills, you know, outside of your school, in school, you're gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah, it's I think it's just like the uncertainty of everyone in like post-grad oh, yeah. life that everyone has. And so I think it is good to talk about that. Even like, I'm, I'm worried about that. And my roommate and I were just talking yesterday cause we, we went um, to old town Alexandria, which is like one of my favorite places around here. And she was like, do you know what you're doing after graduation? And I was like, getting a job. And she's like, where? Yeah. And I, was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like getting a job. <laughs> And then with her too, with her visa, she's considering, you know, like whether she wants to go home to like look for work or stay here. Yeah. So there's always that, um, you know, when you're an international student. Oh, yes. I'm sure you dealt with as well with your visa. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know what it is in US, but in Canada, you have 90 days to find a job as an international student. Mm. And after that, you are, you are out of the country, essentially, if you don't. Wow. Or maybe you can also apply to grad school. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and uh, in order to create like plan A, plan B, plan C, plan Z, I, uh, because I wanted to stay in Canada, I was like, okay, I have to stay in Canada. Mm. And I was aware of those 90 days thing. Um, I was applying for grad schools and mm. I was applying for jobs. It was a big year for me. Yeah. And, uh, I got into five grad schools actually. But wow. Then, yeah. Yeah. But then I, I decided to, I also, I got two job offers and uh, I decided to do job just because uh, uh, the immigration process is mm -hmm. faster with through a job rather than grad yeah. school yeah that's oh, so you're looking to get you're looking to get your um citizenship in Canada oh yeah cool. yeah 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 so becoming a Canadian and uh, really just establishing myself here so awesome. that's very exciting but also of course not not forgetting where I'm from and just yeah. trying to uh, you know maybe follow I love new year's traditions that uh, we have with my family so yeah. trying to replicate it here somehow that's awesome yeah I think it's definitely important I mean back to anthropology you know people take their cultural traditions with them and that's why like when we talk about the cultural landscape of a place where there's been a lot of immigration you know, you see a, a mesh of cultural practices where okay. people bring things from their original country and it mixes with with um, local traditions, which then produces new traditions, which is a really cool process. Exactly. So it all connects back to anthropology. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, we can honestly record an entirely like, different podcast yeah. about it, like just how much is in the sentence like truly and yeah. canada is 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 a is a very much the example of this cultural mishmash mm -hmm. so yeah <laughs> well thank you so much for your time um thank you for talking with the listeners um is there anything else that you want to touch on or ask me before we kind of wrap up the interview 
No, I feel like it's been it's been really great time. I really enjoyed it. Really loved it. The best part is to find like minded people. Yeah, and I feel like chatting with you just also generated so many insights and so much inspiration to me. I feel like I'm just very happy that this this episode happened because like we got to talk. Uh, about such important topics not just about journey or anthropology but also how we try to popularize anthropology and what kind of struggles we have as human beings and uh, I'm excited about uh, the development of your podcast and uh, maybe YouTube channel too so yeah I feel like now it's just you know it's something about a community of bloggers Mm -hmm. uh, it's just something beautiful about it that we understand each other's struggles, but also keep pushing and uh, producing and uh, generating this content and building a community. So yeah. Yeah. And inspiring each other. I think that's really beautiful rather than like being in competition or, or, you know, I think it's great to be like, Oh, your content inspired me to do this. Or like I was inspired by the way you talked about this. I think I love that, especially because I feel like a lot um at at least a lot of the ones I follow are women and I think it's it's beautiful to have uh women supporting women because there is like you know sadly a lot of times where like women have been pitted against each other and so I think it's better to like all come together um and like I said create community rather than competition exactly in this so I'm glad we got a chat yeah that that was wonderful thank you so much (laughs) 